0: WPSL Port St. Lucie. And now it's time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona
1: Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to all of you out there to We Are Just Christians. We thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. We're on for the next hour and We Are Just Christians is a live call in show So we'll be taking your calls, comments and questions here in just a moment. I'll give you the numbers and the contact information. But we thank you for tuning in. Hope that in the next few minutes we can uh, help you with some spiritual insight and with uh, answering questions or anything like that. We are just Christians is just that based on the idea that we should be just a Christian and not not uh, take part in human denominations and traditions and things like that 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 keep us really away from the truth of the Bible in in so many cases. And so we point people back to the New Testament in particular and the whole Bible in general as the guideline, as the basis of what God says we need to be following. And that includes not only in religion uh, as far as a church is concerned, but also in our individual lives as far as morality and our actions and thoughts we point you back to the Bible. So when you call into the show, it doesn't matter what questions you ask, we're gonna do our best to try to look at what the Bible says about that and give you an answer to that so you can consider what the Bible has to say about every topic that comes up. And we don't care if you are a believer, an unbeliever, skeptic, whatever it may be, that'd be great. Call in, we'd like to hear from you. Maybe you've got like a lot of people do, uh complaints about religion, religious people and so forth maybe you've been mistreated. Uh, and so we we would be glad to hear about that. Call in and let us know about that, and we'll be able to take you to what the Bible says we ought to do. And so don't make the mistake of thinking that be, just because a religious person does something that's, that that's what the Bible says or that's what you should be doing. have got to be a little more mature than that as far as looking at the fact that people often don't do what they say they're going to do or do what they ought to do. That applies to people who are not religious as well as people who are religious, we're all accountable to the standard in the Bible.
0: Well, I think and what's Mike, your verse Gary? John 1248 He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. that Jesus' words, as best we can tell, right uh, from John 1248 uh, And basically, Mike, I, I believe we've said on this program. You need to go to the Bible and verify what we say. Of course,
1: that, that's if, right. We've we're only we're
0: telling you, it don't it. listen to just us. You got to go to the Bible. That's that's the word that's going to be the standard by which you'll be judged in the judgment.
1: We, so we we try as best we can, and with integrity to to teach or preach What's God's word. But that doesn't mean that what we say what we say is God's word. That's I think that's the confusion that a lot of religious. Uh, people and teachers get into they begin to think since i'm teaching god's word what i say must be god's word and that isn't the case i'm going to point you back to the text and you need to look at that at that and see what it says for yourself and then follow that whatever whatever it may be and over time you certainly may grow and change uh, from that well let me give the numbers we we'll always get going on this some something and then i forget mm-hmm. to get the numbers uh, you can reach us live here in port st lucie at 772 772- three four zero fifteen ninety seven seven two three four zero one five nine zero that that's the number for pwpsl call and you'll be patched right through to us we're sitting in our church building in a small room and uh, on Skype and so uh, we'll have a little delay a second or two delay as that goes as that co- comes through but we'll work around that you can also reach us and a lot of people do we just got one now in fact a text message you can reach us by text message There's two numbers. One is mine. That's Mike Schmidt's number. And then Gary Jones has a number. My number is Seven seven two two six zero six one two zero. Gary's number is very similar. Seven, seven, two, two, six, zero, six, two, two, zero is Gary's numbers. So you can t- feel free to text us now or during the show. We'll try our best to talk about whatever you text in about or, We'll be able to. Uh, you can even text us during the week. Now we got a text I want to get to, and then we will. But uh, well, we need to take a phone call first, so we'll do that. Uh, we got two texts, in fact, that just came in, Gary, and then we'll. Um, okay. Then we'll we'll take the phone call first. Uh, Ken, are you there?
2: Yeah, Mike, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I got a a, a very quick question. Uh, it's okay. Ken. From Hebrews seven one on uh, Kesedik.
0: Hebrews seven one. Hebrews,
1: okay.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: What's your question? I'm looking it up here. Okay, it says. This, you want me to read it first? So Let it's me. Now Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, now, wait he a minute. We
2: met uh, Abraham returning from the. Slaughter
0: of the kings and blessed him. So, this is Melchizedek.
1: Yeah, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, that's his name, and then also king of Salem, meaning a king of peace without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life, but made like the Son of God, who remains a high priest forever, continually. All right, so what's your
2: question about that? Okay. Uh, the phrase for this Melchizedek Okay. Implied
1: uh, Hold it. Hold up, Ken. Again, uh, we lost a little you. feedback, so it, it, it uh was a feedback, and I think they had to turn the game down. Repeat that. So for this Melchizedek, what is, it implies what?
2: This Melchizedek, that, that implies there's more than one. he's talking about one of them here.
1: Okay. A particular then when he comes to
2: verse 15, he starts talking about the other one.
1: Verse 15 right. talks about the other Melchizedek. Okay, let me look at that it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. It is far, And it is yet far more evident that if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly command, but according to the power of an endless life. So, I'm not sure exactly that you're saying that there are actually two Melchizedek's one, the the original fellow back in the Book of Genesis, and then Christ is is the other Melchizedek.
2: Is that correct? Well, yeah, it's I'm I, it's talking about two. It's it's comparing the two.
1: Okay, well, it is comparing the two. <laughs> exactly. uh, and I believe that he is saying, well, let's go back the the priesthood. The comparison he's making in the bigger picture which I'm sure you understand, is the comparison of the priest according to the order of Melchizedek versus the priest according to the order of Aaron under Moses' law. So all of those priests under Aaron, even though they were individual men, were according to an order of things. They had to have a certain genealogy, be of a certain age, and and some other qualifications, even though they were individual men.
0: They were a likeness they, of all. They, they, was, they likeness. were
1: alike in that they had to meet the certain qualification to be considered to be according to that order. They had to be appointed as a priest, too. And so he makes that point about Christ, who was appointed a priest, a high priest. He didn't take it for himself. And so this Melchizedek, I, the word this in the Hebrew, by the way, for this Melchizedek, uh, in the, uh, I shouldn't say Hebrew. In this case, we're reading the reading translation yeah, from the Greek. Uh, in 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 new book of Hebrews. So it's in the book of Hebrews. We're reading a Greek word, autos, autos. It means a particular. He she it. It's often with the article repeated, and so it, it's kind of like meaning this, these, the same, this man, particular man, and so forth. So it, it seems like he's saying. This particular Melchizedek, which is the one from the book of Genesis, was the king of Salem priest of the most high God. And he ha- he was in an order of priests named after him, Melchizedek. Now, Ken, I don't know about you, but it's always been my kind of understanding that Melchizedek, the original, was the only one in that order besides Jesus Christ. There aren't any others. Maybe, on the other hand, maybe this is Something was that was established by God from the beginning, even though we see no mention of priests, we know that even Abel and Cain, Cain and Abel were making sacrifices. We find Abraham making sacrifices before this time as an individual, and then eventually in his lifetime, we finally meet this priest who's evidently existed, and, and Abraham must have known who he was, but it's the first mention of a priest. So did God establish this priesthood at the beginning? What's that? The
2: Bible only mentions these two.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think there's only two that are quote, according to the order of Melchizedek. One is Melchizedek himself, and the other one is Jesus Christ, who is uh, uh, the antitype of the type, or the type of the antitype of the two. And we can discuss type and antitype, but um, there are those two, and they're not i don't know it doesn't seem like they're the same person, and I would say that they can't be the same person in a way because ironically, I just thought of this Ken because of this word this this Melchizedek he's distinguishing the one from the other, yeah, oddly enough grammat- I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't want to draw too much from that, but what's that? I say that's my whole point. Okay, I finally got there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, okay. It takes me a while, Ken, to get what you're getting. Okay, go ahead.
2: Okay, I, I, I'm I'm done. That's all I wanted to say. I
1: think that's an interesting uh, uh, I observation. To... I think Ken brings this but up because see. here we're jumping on each other because of this delay. Go ahead, Ken.
2: Okay, I, I want to bring up another topic.
1: Okay. Not now,
2: but later on, and I wanted to set the stage for it.
1: All right. That's fine. Great.
2: We yes. haven't talked about uh, the Feast of Trumpets yet. Feast of Trumpets. Okay. So yes. On some future date, I'm going to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. And there's another verse that that uses comparison of this. Like this House okay. the deck like us say for that, Malchizedek, and that involves uh, ethical, eschatology. Anyway, we'll get there later. I don't want to take okay. off Well, I appreciate that
1: very much. Yes, I think Ken has uh, brought this up because he was in a Bible class here, uh, and we were discussing, because we're on the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings at, at 10 o'clock. We've been studying the book of Genesis, and we were talking about this this Melchizedek and how it compares to Christ, what the New Testament says about Melchizedek. Quite a few interesting things. And yet, Ken, I'm pretty sure we just bored all the listeners to death because even Paul said the Hebrews uh, got bored when he started talking about Melchizedek. So it's a word we don't need and means king of righteousness. But Christ, Paul was trying to prove here by using, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews was trying to prove here by talking about this, Melchizedek from Abraham's life that the Jewish priesthood had ended and they could no longer depend upon the order of Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood to save them because God had ended that and brought in Christ according to the order of Melchizedek which had been prophesied about in Psalm 110 thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek so Paul says for the priesthood being changed there must of necessity be a change in the law that's the key point of, of that whole thing. And I think that's part of what why we why we even hear about this story of Melchizedek in the Old Testament is because it, it was an evidence that God was going to change the old law to a new law and Christ would be a priest of a different order, one that could be both king and priest, like Melchizedek was both king and priest, king of Salem, uh, prince of righteousness, and also... A priest of the Most High God so that's the significance of that those who want to go back and so many people do in various ways go back and find something in the old law that they think they should be keeping today whether it's uh, even circumcision or whether it's uh, eating certain kinds of meats or not eating certain kinds of meats or whatever it may be you're you're going in the wrong direction you're going backwards and not forwards toward Christ all right anyway thank you for calling we appreciate that and uh, so forth Gary, do you have any comments about that?
0: No, I hadn't. Okay. Well, now I was trying to look up something in real quick relative to that, but I couldn't find it. So.
1: What were you thinking?
0: I was going back to the Feast of Trumpets.
1: Oh, okay. uh, Well, look, I'm going to have to do some reading (laughs) on the Feast of Trumpets. I know a little bit about it, but probably not enough to uh, to answer. um,
0: One one thing I would say about Melchizedek, we had talked about in the class the possibility that Melchizedek was indeed the being that became Jesus
1: was well, the word he, before
0: yeah. the word before he became Jesus. And I think this, this interpretation again confirms what I thought. There's no, there's no picture of worship here, which is basically when that being shows up in the old Testament, there's worship involved in it. And just about every time that I can, can see that as a, as a possibility. All right
1: and that there wasn't here I think it's more of a type uh, it's a more of a,
0: it's a type. It's a, it's
1: a, symbol, it's a, it's a pattern
0: that pattern. that's being laid out.
1: And it was purposely mentioned in Genesis, in my opinion, so yes. that the writer of Hebrews could make this point exactly. about Christ. That's why it's there.
0: and then I think it was in the At Psalms. At least one of the reasons we see the reference in the Psalms again as, as looking forward to Christ. Right. I just uh, I just wish my search engine had a spell checker in it because I never can remember how to spell Melchizedek.
1: Melchizedek. Yeah. Um anyway, we got a text uh on another subject from John. It says um I don't think Jesus or Paul nor his disciples would recognize the church in America today. Interesting text. Well,
0: I would hope he would in <laughs> some places. <laughs>
1: well, he he wouldn't re- Depends on how you define the word church. Yeah, that's what I I think that's what you're driving at. If you mean calling the church any group or any people that call themselves Christians and you lump it all together and mix it up like a soup, maybe not very much. But there are churches. And I believe uh, I believe what what we are doing right here today at this place on Port St. Lucie is one of them that are going back to the word and very carefully trying to search it and find out what to do without adding or subtracting from it as much as possible. And we are not dependent upon the traditions of men over time that are slowly corrupted away from the truth, as Paul predicted. But as far as uh, some of the garbage that goes on in churches, look, the New Testament church, there's there's a quandary here or a dichotomy When we speak of the New Testament church, there is an idealized church from the writings of the apostles that shows how things ought to be. It tells us how things ought to be. But when you look at how the churches actually were in the New Testament, like Corinth, for example, Laodicea, some of these other churches, you see that the churches that were existing in New Testament times were not always what they ought to be as far as some of their individual behaviors and things that they taught. But so we got we got to go back to the ideal standard.
0: Well, let's let's think about it a minute. What would he recognize? He would recognize the Lord's Supper, I think.
1: Well, I think in, so, in some places, not the Catholic Eucharist. But I think if he came here, he would recognize He would Lord's. recognize, yeah, we're doing exactly what they said. We're taking bread, we're taking fruit of the vine. And we're, we do it on, and state openly that we're doing it as a remembrance of the Lord, not to sanctify anybody because the New Testament doesn't say that.
0: And I think he would recognize the singing. Yes. He would recognize the a cappella singing. Uh, we might have to teach him the language, but he would recognize the
1: singing. <laughs> yeah. I think he would recognize
0: the baptistry. It. What, what it's for. Yeah. What it's for. So I think there we are. We don't have
1: records of any New Testament churches having baptistries per se, but, well, but we do have pretty early in history. And we, he would recognize what it's for. He it
0: would recognize Which is for, for
1: immersion. That's here's right. water. See, here's exactly. water.
0: Right, and and even well, even the second century, which was after Paul, they had. I, I've seen some of the big urns that they
1: used. Oh yes. To, well, he would he would also recognize Gary in a, in a more in a different way. That when he said you should know this, these are my disciples. He would recognize because it says that you have a love for one another. If he came here, he would see that people care about each other. That we'd love to be together. It's not just some place you come in, sit down right. quietly, uh, somebody, a priest, put something on your tongue, and you go away. This is a family. And that's what New Testament churches were like, for good or for bad sometimes.
0: And, and I think he would recognize it. might take him more than just a few minutes to see these things, but I think There's should the, he attend with us, he would see these things.
1: Yes, they, they, would, they, would, they would be the same. And that's the whole point that we're making. It's not, I'm not saying this in any kind of an arrogant or braggadocious way, but he would recognize these things because that's the uh, that's the attempt that's being being made here very directly. And there are so many Christian denominations that will say on the one hand that they're trying to be uh, the, a New Testament church, but then they say, yes, but, you know we, know, we know it was like that in the Bible, Then they then they put that – an ingenious little word bud in there and then they do something different. They do what they want or they follow the traditions. They'll tell you, well, we do this because it's our tradition to do this, and they teach it as if it's gospel. This is what we're trying to teach against here on this radio show. We're trying to actually we're trying to be positive in teaching people how to look at the Bible and find the right way by seeing what it is rather than just simply following along whatever your parents told you, whatever somebody else told you, what your society does. Are, are some of the customs we have here Americanized? Yes, we have air conditioning in our church building. We, we wear American-style 21st century clothing. Well, for the most part. Well, the te- We're probably out of date. Someday.
0: The technology, the TV screen that we display yeah. scriptures on. The this is
1: that- all immaterial to the to what's being taught.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. But, but basically, I think, and again there may be some things that he might recognize in some of these churches with the bands and the music, and, and all, it might seem almost like mm, Corinth. I don't know.
1: One guy, John texts in, 45 minutes of music interrupted by a 15-minute sermon. That's most churches. Well, I have been to most churches, but I, from what I can see, I think that's a pretty accurate description. It's, it's a show. Too many times, and I know that's a harsh criticism, but too many times it's a show. People come like it's going; they're going to a rock concert. This is not what church is about. It's much more serious and much more personal than that. And and so it's like they was they said this back in the when I was a boy about certain sermons that some preachers preach short, short sermons that are what they called sermonettes for Christianettes. <laughs> You've heard that. I've there. heard that one Sermonettes for Christianettes, because without the word being taught seriously and uh, over time in depth, you can't build, you can't plant the seed that sprouts a Christian or a New Testament church. Well, now look, we've got a phone call coming in. We're going to uh, flip off of that. Uh, Jerry, okay. are you there?
0: Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Thank you for I waiting.
0: About the history of paper. Not only on parchment, but uh, papyrus, and, and for some reason, I'm thinking uh, papyrus was like a, a plant. I really don't know, and uh, all leading up to uh, the printing press. And uh, I don't want—I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, uh, uh, you
2: know, uh, some people are from Missouri, the Show Me State. Uh, I think uh, Truman, uh, President Truman, was from Missouri. But I, I was just wondering about.
0: Uh, the development of paper, beginning with papyrus, if, if I had to correct that it was a
1: plant, I really don't know. And I'd like to listen to R.F.L., Mike, if that's okay. That's fine, Jerry. And I think you like trying to put me on the spot. That's <laughs> kind of what you like to do. That's good, though. And uh, how how does a guy go from papyrus to Harry Truman? I love that. I love that <laughs> kind of mind, Jerry. I am not thinking, I really do. I love that kind of mind because that's, that's the way my brain works, too. Well, look, I would say this, that papyrus was made from a plant. It's, from what I know about it, probably something similar to these cattails that we see growing in the canals, long, thin, fibrous leaves. And the Egyptians in particular took those, beat them flat, get all of the uh, mushy stuff out, and then they laid the strips all along together, parallel. Then they laid another layer of strips across those crossways. They made two or three layers of this beat it and pounded it all together so it was flat, let it dry, and they made sheets of this papyrus. And they did a lot of writing on papyrus then. They could use they could take yeah. ink with a feather or a pen or whatever kind of stylus. And a lot of what a lot of what we have from ancient history, including some Bible texts, uh are papyrus. And so you have uh, they, but there were all different kinds of writing materials in ancient times. Papyrus was one. Parchment now, parchment could be made not only from uh, linen and other kinds of plants done the same way, beaten and ground into something that's flat that would hold together. Uh, and so a lot of stuff that we have from the old ancient times is written on the parchment. Then you had vellum. Vellum was l- mostly a leather kind of quality. And sometimes people mixed, mix up what they call each one. There's not, they're not a strict boundary yeah. between each one of these. But vellum is a leather-like material that was written on. More ancient than that are this actually pieces of clay that were flattened out oftentimes, at least so they could take a stylus and write in the clay with a sharp instrument, and then it would harden. It was a very permanent kind of thing. We have a lot of that, uh, just tons of different kinds of documents on Clay, tablets, just account receipts. Can you imagine somebody uh, collected all the receipts that are issued today on paper? Well, they had that kind of receipts for all these transactions in ancient times. We're not the first people that had receipts for transactions. We had probably, I would say, a huge percentage, maybe most, I can't say that for sure, but a huge percentage of what we have from ancient times, and I'm talking about way before Christ, is on these clay tablets of various kinds from Assyria, Babylon, all parts of the Middle East. Egypt, they had the papyrus, other things like that. So now this all eventually evolved into when they began to make paper before the time of the printing press. The Jews would take these various materials then.
0: Well, the papyrus goes back to about the 4th century B.C., so it's really old. They had that in the time of Christ. Yes, that was. So, so that's you know.
1: And they would take that papyrus and these other elements, whether it's parchment or papyrus, and the Jews would roll it into a scroll. They write a long, make it long, attach pieces together, make it long, and they could roll it all up and have it in a compact form. The, and so, some of what we have, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, is parchment and or vellum and uh, rolled up and it has to be unrolled carefully, which sometimes is destroyed by doing that. Yeah, now
0: paper-like we tend to make, or not really like what we have today, but paper-like going towards what we have today, came along sometime in the 1st and 2nd centuries.
1: Yeah, it's pretty old, but it wasn't yeah. exactly. And what happened then, they began to, what uh, the ones who studied this stuff, they called that kind of, well, I started to tell you about the scroll. Scrolls were rolled up. Now, what they began, they began to also to, comp- that was unwieldy, good in some ways, bad in others. What you have on a computer screen is a scroll. Yeah. We call it scrolling, and we don't think, but it's just continuous information we rolling along, especially in older browsers.
0: Now, we paginate it sometimes, you know, yeah, Word and, and, and is PDF word. and things like that right. will, will wow. show up pages, but it tends to scroll. Like
1: Even that. the pages scroll, but what they did eventually was they made a codex, which is called a codex which is what we would call pages. So they would bind the information together. They would write it on the, both sides or one side of this papyrus or flat paper uh, material, linen, parchment, whatever it might be. And then they would hook it together and make what we would call a book or a codex. So there's Codex Sinaiticus, different old texts of the Bible. And there's like 55 to 5,700 different Codexes and other other um, various pieces of it's, the Bible that are found right, manuscript that, fragments. Right, called, that Somebody had full. to
0: sit down and carefully hand copy, like you would you would look at the original and then you would copy by hand the parts of that original.
1: I think Which John was, texted in and said that it would take 250 animals to make an entire Bible out of leather. You know. Yeah, and, and I think the Gutenberg
0: down. Bibles were originally leather. They were not. Uh, paper.
1: Printed on thin, thin yes. leather? Yes.
0: Uh, let me see if I can find that out.
1: Um, yeah, so, it, and, and of course, some of these are preserved in various ways. It depends on the climate. Dry climates tend to do better at preserving them, and so forth, and others. We know what they are, but their text is almost unusable because of mold and fungus and all that stuff. So it's a whole field of science, ancient bibliography, it's called. Uh,
0: but it was, it, it was close to the mid-1400s A.D. before we got before we got into printing.
1: For the As such, yeah. As such. It. So it's an interesting question because it does impact uh, how they identify different New Testament manuscripts and then how they recorded these things. If you can re- – they called it in the book of Ezra, they found the book of the law. But I believe yeah. – I can't. I, I could look this up now. It might take me a second. I believe that when you read it, it also calls it a scroll. Yes. And we come to the book of Revelation. And the book of Well, oh, start with Ezekiel. Ezekiel was given words in a scroll to look at.
0: To eat and, and he eat. had to
1: eat the scroll. And then same thing in the book of Revelation. Everything's on scroll. And John a scroll. was
0: given something similar to eat and digest right. as well.
1: Right. So there is there are various mentions of this kind of writing. You know, I I remember when I was young, a lot of the skeptics said, Oh, it's ridiculous to think that Moses wrote Anything in the Bible, the time of Moses, as it's pictured, men didn't even know have an alphabet. People didn't know how to write or read or anything. Well, now we know that's completely ridiculous. There are pl- There's plenty of writing and calculations and mathematical calculations way before Moses. Yes. Way before Moses. It's just a matter of time. So when you hear the critics and the skeptics talk about stuff, just kind of smile and just realize that, well... Either they're ignorant about what does exist now, or a little bit of time and it will be shown that they're wrong about that. Just like, you know, uh, now they think they found not only writing that they said King David didn't exist, well, now they found writing from another king, some source outside the Bible, that mentions the, the lineage or dynasty of David. And and we also and recently, they
0: were carrying on correspondence, yes,
1: back and forth, we have this correspondence, and now, in the last couple of years, they think they found David's palace exactly where it would have to be, yeah. according to bible times built by by the helped him build it by the king of
0: but mike let's 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 think about this for a minute we We see you know the papyrus you know a couple of centuries before Christ, maybe, and then paper beginning, maybe between one and two centuries after Christ and printing presses a 1,000 to 1,500 years after Jesus. But look what we have today. Look at what we can do with computers in terms of the Word, how we can search for things, how we can read those things, how we can copy them and send them to other people was just unheard of in those times past. We live in a time when... The ability for us to study and understand and and get to those things, the things that are in the Bible, that uh, we need to go there. We need to look at what we need to take advantage of the technology we have.
1: Well, and that's, that's a shame that most Christians don't take advantage of what it is. But I will say this in a big, broad sense. People are concerned about the direction things are going and how much wickedness there is in the world. And I don't know. I've only been alive 69 years. I don't know whether it's that much worse or better than it was in ancient times. I think it's probably we're better off than we were in ancient times in so many ways. Uh, but I will say this: as much proliferation as there is in of pornography, of wickedness, of skeptical thought, of, of awful things being written and information being shared, there is a corresponding riches richness of biblical information being shared and the bible now exists in almost every language in the world in one way and can be easily reproduced and it would be very very difficult for some worldly power to destroy on earth the body it's been tried before to wipe out the bible hasn't happened yet and now it's going to be even more difficult because of just what you mentioned gary the, the yes. easily easy availability, it's everywhere. And in spite of all this, the Bible still outsells all these other books. No matter what how popular a book is, they just take the Bible off the best selling list because it makes everybody else embarrassed, you know. And so uh, the the God has will not allow His Word, His truth, to be completely eradicated. The reason it may wax and wane is because of the interest of people, but I believe as long as there is human human beings, there will be some who recognize their sinfulness and their need for something more than a fast computer and a nice car. There'll be some people who really know that they need more than that. And they they know that Darwin and Marx don't have the answers to what they really need. And therefore, the Bible is going to always be right there at the top. And God will call his people with his word. And every century that goes by, every decade that goes by now, the Bible is more easily transmitted in more places to, to more people than it ever has been in history. Will it ever conquer the whole world and the fact that everybody turned good? I, I doubt that. But well, it's certainly not going away.
0: Well, the thing is, and, and this is what I've tried to point out in other times, God is looking for a certain kind of person. He's looking for a person of a certain nature and disposition and ability to recognize him and do those things. And not everybody is ever going to be that way.
1: We think somehow if we just preach the right lessons and have the right kind of church, have the right kind of music, we'll just attract droves and droves of people that will all be faithful to the Lord. What we find out is that this doesn't work. It right. isn't that way.
0: As a matter of fact, the, the things that might be
1: opposite of that.
0: Opposite of that. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why i have always said mike and i think i think you you remember me saying this before the only thing we have here at this church to offer is the gospel of christ
1: it's the bible and that's that's all we're going to stand on that's right so we're not going to we're not going to try to get you to come in by leaving a 20 dollars bill under the seat or, or playing having music. a circus or or have a have a better band than some other church we're or a bo- not going to compete
0: a baseball team or a trip we're, to disney world or we whatever
1: can, we can offer you a serious study of the of the bible that not just to study as to become a scholar, but to study to change your life and your thoughts and bring you closer to Christ through obedience to the gospel and submission to Christ. That's what can be offered. And it may not look like other churches, but that doesn't concern us very much because we have to repeat, re, we have to keep planting the same seed as in the Bible. And and so there's always going to be people who respond. In fact, I I was reading an article last week. I don't have it right here, my something about the 1840s. There was a great, a a lot of trouble. The 1830s and early 40s were just turmoil all over the world. After the French Revolution in the American Revolution, all these countries, there was violence everywhere. And in the 1840s, there there came the Great Awakening or the Great Revival.
0: And, And also, Spike, there's something interesting about that in that there was also a technical revolution going on. The steam engine had just come into being. The railroads were coming into being. Transportation was expanding. The character of the country was changing from a from a rural farm community to cities and people that could right. go back and forth between the two. And those things seem to come together, I think, a lot
2: of times. They
1: do. And, and what happened with this great revival, a lot of false religion came out of it. But it also turned a lot of people away from where they were in a more worldly bent back to the Lord and this has happened several times in history some people are now saying that this is where we are we're at that juncture now in 2022 have been for a few years between this overly zealous all-encompassing secular worldly mentality that humans can do everything humans have this great technological power to control everything we can even decide if we're male or female if we want to we have so much power and that this will lead to a great spiritual awakening. There's going to be a resistance to this and there'll be what we would call pushback that people will realize that this is what I'm waiting for is for people to be able to see. that there's no future in that. There's nothing worthwhile in that. The people that think they can be happier by having their sex organs cut off are going to be seen very soon to not be happier. It's all a lie. It's all a deception. And there'll be, in some sense, a turning back to the Lord in a broad way and then hopefully in a more specific way, maybe for you who are listening, maybe even for me that I can have more faith than I have now because we, we, we realize that what the, what the world offers is empty.
0: Well, any time we depart from reality and truth, and I keep saying, what did Jesus say? Thy word is truth, basically. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. As soon as we turn away from reality and truth, happiness cannot exist. Right. It just will not happen. We may think it is. We may think it's better. You know, I think you mentioned a song in the sermon the other night about... Uh, I was thinking of the uh, one group that... Uh, out this song called tell me lies
1: yeah this that, is, that's uh, what
0: people want tell me lies
1: this is um
0: fleetwood mac yes believe it or not. you know can you imagine me listening to fleetwood mac
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know about that gary <laughs> uh the the um the song i was meant well i was just going to tell you, you made him mention that a, a high school friend of mine is related to one of the singers on Fleetwood Mac, but uh, the, the song I mentioned was Sheryl Crowe's song, Lie to Me, about the idea that people lie to me, I'll believe. Uh, I, I'd be the last to help you understand, are you strong enough to be my man? And <laughs> are, and it says, nothing's true and nothing's right.
0: Boy, are we chasing rabbits So now. <laughs> let me be alone tonight,
1: because you can't change the way I, and it goes on to say, lie to me, I promise I'll believe lie to me but please don't leave so in other words tell me anything that you think I want to hear and I'll believe it I'm so depressed tonight and I'm so upset about everything that you can lie to me and I'll believe anything that you say and it's an interesting song uh, and, and I don't know whether anybody thought I was gonna be quoting Sheryl Crow today but any <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in any event um, that's the way people get. That's the way people are. I think that's the way a lot of people are about science and technology and and uh, gender identities and all this. Just tell me something that will make me feel better. Whether it's true or not, I'll believe it. That's a sad place to be. Now, what I'm saying is that it, that there's always, even the darkest times in Old Testament history perhaps, In the time of Elijah, when Elijah thought that the prophets of Baal, Ahab and Jezebel had taken the whole land and everybody was gone astray, Elijah said to God, I'm the only one that's left and they're trying to kill me. He might have been close to right about that, but God came to him in his depression and said, I still have my 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now 7,000 out of maybe several million is not very many. But But God was okay with 7,000, and I have that. Whether you can see it or not, Elijah, I have my 7,000. So I believe that the seed of the gospel, because it is true and it is good, it is what's right, will always have a place in some people's hearts. They may be bad now, what you may see at this moment in time. It may not be very good, but God can work the circumstances so that their heart is turned and they come to God. I, I think we're seeing this a little bit right now, Gary, even in this church, that the, we, we've, been, we've been teaching and baptizing people in the last few years that are older. And I think I mentioned in a sermon recently one of my high school friends who was not a uh, religious person at all. He came to me at my high school reunion. Did I say this? I don't know if I told this on the air or not. This fellow came to me, sat me t- down next to me at the high school, my 50th high school reunion. said, Schmidt, you're not going to believe this, but he says, I became a Christian two years ago I'm a believer and I said really and so we talked a little bit about that I said well I'm seeing that people of our age Bob are realizing that they've lived a selfish and vain life and they need something that means something he he literally raised his hand and said that's me now I think there's a lot of people in my generation and you're you're basically my generation Gary you're the old baby boomer. I'm the young baby boomer. But uh, uh, we're of the same generation. A lot of people of our generation find themselves now, after having spent their life doing whatever they want and thinking that their secular viewpoints were so enlightened, now they realize that basically they don't have anything worthwhile. And they're, t- they're turning to the gospel. Many of them are. Now, are they turning to the true gospel? I-, I can't say that. But they're looking for something spiritual in a meaningful way. And you know what he told me? He says, what, what I'm trying to do right now, I'm, I found myself a church that believes in the Bible, and I'm trying to f- understand what it says. So there it is. Well, now, I I know if you knew him, you would be you would be really shocked by that, you see. <laughs> he's a great guy, but never – so never. he's turning to the Bible of all the places he can find it. And so there is hope out there, and I don't know how it's going to happen. Usually the hope comes after some great catastrophe which may well happen in the next few years, some great turning point. We've already had a few, and what we've been sensing sensing since 9-11, a few other things, are these shots across the bow, but there may be coming some big calamity, even COVID, that that wakes a lot of people up. I don't know that I'm not trying to be a prophet here, but I do say that God does this in history. We've seen it repeatedly where people turn back to God in some meaningful way. I can't imagine the upheaval is going to, going to have to take place in the United States and Europe for this to happen, and it may not happen around the world. It may not may only have it may only happen in the United States.
0: Well, it's, in, it's interesting that you said that. I was at my fiftieth high, uh, high school reunion some years ago, seven years ago now, and uh, one of the guys I was friend with, we were sitting at a table with several of my friends, and uh, he, he said, "Well, I'm going to go around the table and I want to ask you." What are you doing today that you think your friends would be surprised at? And so when it came to me, I said, this was well,
1: at, a, where? at this a is my,
0: my 50th high school. You're, reunion. Oh, OK. And uh, when he came around to me, he says, well, I'm the co-host of a Bible question and answer radio show. And you could
1: have seen their <laughs> jaws drop. <laughs> I know. That's the same reaction I got. You Schmidt, you of all people anyway. Uh, and, and just don't give up on people. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on people. It's not it's not what you think it is. And from this kind of darkness and and confusion, to put it bluntly, that we're experiencing today, I put it mildly, I should say, uh, can come great light. You know, it's, this, this happened 40 some years ago, Gary. And so maybe it doesn't mean as much. But I was preaching for a small group in Boca Raton at the time uh, upstairs of the board of realtors building Probably thirty or forty of us, same kind of church, basic Bible type church, and um, preaching my little haranguing sermons. It was around 1975-76 that America's on the, America's going to collapse. It's on the decline. That's me, you know. And so we had a visitor come to the assembly from overseas. It was the headquarters of IBM. Boca Raton was then. So we did get some people coming every once in a while who were from connected to IBM. Well, this fella was at a conference at IBM. And he was from Germany, and he visited. And so I was asking him, uh, his English was way better than my German, because all I know in German is the word sauerkraut, you know, basically. <laughs> so anyway, he says, uh, I said, what do you think about America? What What's, what's uh, interesting about America to you? You won't believe what he said. He says, I am completely stunned at how religious this country is. <laughs> he said, I cannot believe how religious you are in this country. He said, everybody is religious. He says, wherever I go, they often have prayer at these breakfasts I'm going to, or they people talk about God openly in this country. He says, I never, never, never see that in Europe, and in, particularly in Germany. Nobody talks about God. And I thought to myself, you're kidding. I've been up here thinking we're becoming – we're less religious, – we're not religious enough and he says, oh, no, compared to other countries of the world, America is very religious. You know what the truth is? That's why they don't like us. One reason, Europe, Europeans think less of us.
0: Well, that's they why think
1: European religious people are stupid.
0: That's why we've got to be made into something that is not a Christian
1: country. Right. We want to be like the other nations okay. of the world. Yeah, we'll get we'll find out what that means. But he, he just said he couldn't. But so and I think that's strangely enough. In spite of the fact that, that, you know, some people have the mindset, well, if you don't have an official government-sponsored religion, you can't be a religious country. Well, what's actually proven true in America, since we have a clause in the Constitution that says there cannot be an established yeah. religion, we've become a more religious country than many of the right. others. We've always been a religious country, well, and it, that's what's alarming about us going the other direction now, but it, we've become a very religious country.
0: Even though it seems to me America has become like israel in in the 600s Uh, basically jeremiah says in chapter 5 and beginning in verse 30 an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my people love to have it so but what will you do in the end
1: I think part of our problem is even though we think, even though
0: I think that probably applies to us today in many ways, it's still it's it it could be worse.
1: Well, I I think it definitely could be worse, and I think so. Um, now look, you know Gary and many of you other uh, how how I talk about all this cultural rot from the pulpit here all the time, and probably have done so plenty of times on the radio, and we'll we'll maybe later today or next week. I don't know, but. Let's don't lose sight of the fact that a lot of what we have to talk about here is coming out of one or two places on the east and west coast. It's coming out of the elite parts of our society, those who think they're highly educated, those who think they're sophisticated, better than all the rhubarbs in the middle of the country, and, and so forth. It's coming out of a few places. When you go out into the out into a, just plain old America, uh, yes, you see moral decay. But you don't see the complete uh, hatred of the Bible and religion that you do in the elite places. And so sometimes in the Bible we're seeing that. We were seeing the reaction of the prophets to, to the leaders of Israel who often were these same elite kind of folks who were just too smart to believe Jeremiah or Ezekiel or somebody. They were too smart, too powerful to do that. But we weren't really seeing what the average person, like the apostles Jesus went right into Israel, and even Galilee was a little bit infected with this worldliness. Not a secular kind of worldliness, but more of an apathy. And he found the apostles right there. There they were, sitting there, waiting for him to come along. And and they responded to him. The problem with most religious leaders is is the fact that they call themselves leaders, and they have to get out front and and, uh, do some great big thing, Rather than trying to just influence one person at a time, they have to make some great thing, and, and they have too many, too many secular, worldly ideas about it. So in any event, I'm getting far afield here. But
0: Well, I just want to go back to Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter 5, folks, verse 20, kind of write this down, because Isaiah does the same thing. We, we see it today. It's been going on for a long time. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking and wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and who take away the justice from the righteous man. So how much of that have we
1: seen? Oh, yes, see it all the time. Now, now, let's don't confuse the fact you know, what, what concerns me is that although in a big picture I can see things getting worse before they get better and there's a big pushback in the other direction, God will work in the world and bring about a change. He will destroy these wicked people. The problem with that is you can believe that, but the problem is we have to keep at it even though we know God's not going to let it stand forever because of all the individual people that get swept away by this wickedness. Individual all, all people of, are going are to be lost. because All of the righteous
0: stuff. men whose justice are taken away.
1: Right. And then there's among them, among, among even this church here, there are people that can be easily swayed by, by the lies of the media and other people to become, as it were, unbelievers, become immoral. I mean, just the lies that are told about drink and drugs, much less everything else, corrupts more and more people. The lies about sexuality, the reason we preach against that is Although I think God's going to overturn all that, and men will go back to a better way of living at some point in time, probably long after I'm dead, all the people in between are going to be lost because it's easy to believe the lie started in the well, in our generation, our time in the in the '60s and '70s the, of free love, is completely destroyed our society's moral fiber and and we're, all this stuff that we're seeing about sexuality and All right, Gary, here you go. You want to know what I think the the problem with school shootings is and all these mass murders? I believe it's because we destroyed the family in the United States.
0: Well, that's where I was going. We
1: destroyed the family structure of a father and a mother who cared for the child in different ways, but were faithful to each other. And so the percentage of people that want to take their guns and go kill somebody else was much, 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 much lower. You and I both remember that in high school – High schools, people had guns in their trucks, brought them to school. They had gun classes in the school that taught you about hunting and gun safety in the schools. Nobody was shooting the schools up. What's the difference?
0: We we even had school rifle teams.
1: That's what I'm saying. It isn't because there's guns. It's because the people have changed. Their hearts have turned away from what is good.
0: Yeah, and, and the point is it's not the guns because the guns haven't changed. The people have changed
1: yes that's why, and the people have changed because now the young people grew up, and they don 't have a meaning, a real good grip on life and, and they 've been fed from Hollywood and all the other elites for fifty or sixty years now the idea that if you get mad, you go out like Charles Bronson and start shooting people and taking revenge, and you're the lone gun you're the lone guy with a gun out hunting down the bad guys you're doing this and that and the other and so it turns out that a lot of these people think that school teachers and People on subways are bad guys because, and so we they end up shooting them. We've been inundated with a culture, and then these same Hollywood people want to lecture us uh, about about morality. They're the ones that have been under been bringing this culture of violence and and revenge and retribution on all of us. Uh, I, it makes me angry. Um, Gary, I'm sorry. I, I, no, uh, you, you're probably angry too, no, but it's not I, I, it's not the oh. gun per se. The, I remember a time when it wasn't like this. You remember the sermon I did years ago, uh, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days? Probably don't. There's a, that song, uh, yeah, it The it Judge. There's, there was a time, Gary, and I remember, and I want young people to know this, when a man could give his word and you could trust him. Yes. There was a time, when there was a time. it says, when daddies really did stay. They yes. did stay home. There was a time. And he, this song, I think, I don't know, Tammy Wynette, I don't know who it was, The Judge, somebody Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. You look it up if you're listening.
0: People took seriously what God said in the Deuteronomy when he said, do all that comes out of your mouth. Right.
1: Young people need to understand there was a time in America when that was true. It's not true now. What happened? And it wasn't because religious people did something wrong, particularly, or the Bible is wrong. It was because these people with secular ideas that hate the Bible, they gained the upper hand and they taught a whole generation of people not to believe in those well, things. Well, they went into
0: the schools and started teaching before everybody, before the parents began to realize what was happening. Yeah. That's and and now,
1: uh, hopefully, parents have awakened to this fact.
0: Uh, well, see, I, I, often, wondered, I often wondered what my mom and, mom and dad were thinking about and some of the things they let me do. Uh, I'll just tell you, Mike, it's not the guns because my dad gave me a 410 shotgun when I was nine years old. I kept it in my closet with the ammunition. I had complete control of it as a child, nine years old.
1: You haven't shot a school up yet, have you, Gary? And I
0: haven't shot a school up, and that that gun has never shot anybody in in, in any time. It's just amazing to me how we have changed.
1: Yes, and that's because of the very things that we talk about in this show, moral principles. And and partly, even aside from that, even the families in America that didn't go to church— They at least had imbibed enough of this culture that they stayed together in their homes, showed their children uh, a direct kind of love. Were there exceptions to that? Of course there were. And those exceptions to that, the men who didn't take care of their families, the women who mistreated their children, were denounced by religious people. I heard them talked about all the time growing up in church. And and as as bad, that kind of bad behavior. You see, because... um, well, but now it's were, different. Now, now you can't say anything about anybody.
0: Well, we've lost what we did in, in marriage, has lost the idea. There, there, There's one thing in marriage that we seem to have lost, in in my view. This is just my opinion, Mike, but this, we have lost we got commitment. Got commitment.
1: Yeah. Yes, there's the no
0: commitment between the partners. No.
1: And that, that was destroyed in the sexual revolution of the 60s. Well, our time is gone today. We appreciate very much uh, your interactions, your texts. Your we got. You got two minutes left. Two. What's wrong with my timer? I set yes, my timer wrong. You got. You got two wrong. minutes already. I'm looking at the wrong timer here. I do have. But, oh, good.
0: But uh, oh, but I, commitment I, and is, communication. Yes, I'm sorry. I thought I had was done. My in my view, commitment and communication are the keys to marriage. Yes, you, they You are. have to. You have to communicate with your partner, and each of you has to have a commitment to each other,
1: but not my, to yourself. But, but where does that come from? It comes <clears> from the Bible. It doesn't come from anything the New York Times is going to tell you. <clears throat> about marriage you see it doesn't come from any of those places and and so this is what creates a stable home and environment for people to grow up in some kids will turn out bad anyway but we don't have so many of them doing so many bad and destructive things and they tend to come in ways because they copy each other of course well, on this That's human behavior
0: this transgender stuff is so destabilizing and we don't understand what, what it's fixing to do it <laughs> These people
1: are not going to be happy in 10 more years, I'll tell you. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And from on an individual level, but then on the other level, it's heartbreaking that what the damage is doing to so many young people. The number of, the number of uh, LGBT people has increased like five times in 20 years. And, of course, that can't be genetic. So our time is gone. Thank you so much for listening today. Please take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. We are just Christianscom take, also, uh, take the time to look there. You'll find recordings of this radio show going back, recordings of our sermons. Take time to come and see us, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. We meet at 10 o'clock this morning for a Bible class, 11 o'clock for worship. We'd be glad to have you, and we're not going to ask you for money or, or embarrass you. Come by and see us. Thanks so much for listening, and may God bless you.
0: WPSL Port St. Lucie